You're listening to Minding the Brain with Dr. Kim Hellemans and Dr. Jim Davies. Episode 69, AI and Existential Risk. The topic of the safety of these very powerful artificial intelligence models has gotten a lot of attention lately in the wake of systems like ChatGPT. And today on the podcast, we are going to talk to Darren McKee, who is on the board of the Artificial Intelligence Governance and Safety of Canada and author of the new book, Uncontrollable, The Threat of Artificial Superintelligence and the Race to Save the World. Welcome, Darren. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. A lot of the stuff we hear about the risks and dangers of AI are um, things about bias and things. But your book's about something else. Do you want to talk about uh, the difference between maybe some of these short-term dangers and the long-term dangers that you talk about in your book? Sure. AI systems are getting increasingly powerful, and they're already causing a range of problems. There are near-term problems, and there are also some that we can anticipate are going to happen in the future. Things that have already occurred are in the realm of, say, deep fake pornography. People's uh, likeness or images are being put on other people, like pornographic actors, to simulate as if that person was experiencing that type of thing for other people to watch. And this has happened for years, and it's a consistent, persistent problem. There are also issues of algorithmic bias, where these AI systems, like, say, ChatGPT, might be the most famous one that people know, might spit back or return uh, responses that are biased in one way or another. So it could be a bit sexist or it could be a bit racist, but there's a lot of algorithms that are inadvertently doing things that are not intended by the original designers or programmers. Uh, A famous example might be when Amazon was trying to hire new engineers. They used their own database of resumes of already hired engineers, which seems to make sense, right? They're thinking, well, if we already hired these people, they're kind of the type of people we're looking for. But because most of the engineers that Amazon had hired were men, the algorithm was specifically selecting for maleness in some way. This was not intentional. This was accidental. They tried to remove it. They tried to tweak the system, but eventually they just scrapped it. And there's other examples where an Asian American grad student uh, asked an AI image generator for a professional LinkedIn photo. She gave a photo of herself and wanted the system to tweak it to make it look more professional. And it returned the image of her, but now as a white blue eyed woman. And so that is clearly a case of the machine not doing what the user wants and manifesting a sort of racist-like behavior. So that would be an example of the near-term stuff. Yeah, I know there's also like examples of stock market crashes and things caused by automation. It's not always biased, but they're just, you know, when we give things up to automated systems, sometimes that lack of oversight can lead to harm. Oh, for sure. We're in a world where there's many automated processes happening behind the scenes. You can think every time you use a credit card, there's some system that's scanning the transaction to see if it's appropriate. As Jim just said, there's a lot of stock market trading, a lot, maybe the majority is actually automated by different systems. And even things like missile defense. For the most part in the military, there's a human in the loop for offensive or aggressive maneuvers, but to deflect or destroy incoming missiles, these systems have to be automated and lives depend on it because a human could not react so quickly. Right. So these are all important problems and uh, there are people trying to address them. Um, But this book's about 
more serious problems uh, and potentially long-term problems. You want to give us a summary of what, what the sure. problems are you address? Yeah, so it's trying to get at what would happen if these AI systems become even more powerful, even more capable. And if we look at the current trend lines in terms of the investment that's going into developing these cutting-edge models, if we look at how computer processing power is increasing exponentially, the, we are set to get it very, very capable systems uh, next year in the coming years. And the trend line looks like it's not going to stop anytime soon. And as such, we should be prepared for models that can do many, many more things. More uh, planning, more strategy, more complicated behaviors, more long-term uh, strategy behaviors. And as such, we then have to think, okay, what, what would happen if these systems are more capable? In the nearer term, and I say in like months to years, these systems are very good at empowering people, amplifying what they desire. And that can be used for good or for bad. So that could be people who want to use misinformation to destabilize elections. Or it could be for people who want to commit terrorist acts, and now they get a better sense of how to develop certain weapons or build and design bioweapons, pathogens. It's not quite the case that all this information is already available on Google, so there's no problem now. But rather, these systems are sophisticated enough that they can kind of walk you through step by step how to do things. And so people are aware of just how capable the systems already are. You could be designing a bio lab and maybe you don't really know what you're doing, but you could interact with the system back and forth, taking photos of what you should have and what you should need, and it could help you design the whole thing. So it's really, really empowering. And that can be great for a lot of good things, but it also presents a lot of risks. And that's sort of the near-term stuff. But there's even greater risks where if the AI systems themselves become much more powerful, then they might engage in power-seeking behavior to preserve themselves as they get more uh, complicated and interact with the world. And so why why would this power seeking behavior be a problem for for us? Right. And so this is where it gets a little nuanced and tricky, but we have to understand that first that things can cause harm without having overt intentions. We know viruses exist in the world. The virus doesn't want to kill us, but it still may. And similarly, AI systems, at least we'll say in the next couple of years, might engage in behaviors that could be harmful while they are pursuing a different goal and we are their sort of indifferent or incidental damage to this. So if someone has given an AI system a goal and it's going to accidentally or inadvertently harm humans. But there's also the case where AI systems themselves might engage in manipulative or deceptive behavior to achieve goals that then become more describable, why don't we say that, as having their own goals. And then they will do things like manipulate humans or acquire resources or try to make copies of itself. If it knows that, knows, and use these quotation marks, which you can't mm -hmm. see, an AI system is just trying to achieve an objective and it knows it has to exist to achieve this objective, it may try to make copies of itself or duplicate itself or even change its own code. And if a system can make further improvements to change its own code, then it could open up a huge range of behavioral possibilities. Right. So uh, I think that the extreme danger here is what is called an existential risk. And that, you know, the extreme version of that, the extreme version of that is extinction. But um, I think some scholars have talked about it being like a collapse of civilization from which it's very difficult to recover. Right. Yes, there's a range of beliefs and opinions on this, but if you look at surveys of AI experts and researchers, there are about 50%, depending on the survey, that think there's a 5 to 10% a chance of great harm to humanity. Could be complete disempowerment, could be something like extinction. 
It is also the case that there are longtime researchers, uh, famous researchers in the field, Jeffrey Hinton, Joshua Bengio, Stuart Russell, who wrote or co-wrote one of the most famous textbooks in the, in the whole field. And they're all very much concerned about potential extinction risks. As well, there are the leaders, the CEOs of the leading AI companies like Google DeepMind, like OpenAI, like Anthropic, and all of them believe that uh, advancing AI capabilities or advanced AI itself is an extinction level threat. So we're in this weird world, which I think it's hard for people to really appreciate what's going on, but there's people with billions of dollars continually building things that they themselves think could cause extinction. Right. So I think um, a lot of people would respond to these ideas with, well, we can just tell tell the software what it wants. We can create its goals and uh, you know, we don't really have to worry about it because we control what they're going to do. And so uh, what would you say to that? I think that is understandable. That's a very understandable reaction. I think it's not quite so simple. And there's a couple of reasons why. That these systems, in a way, they're more grown than built. That's the first thing, if we think foundationally. It's not like when we build a car or a bridge where we know what all the pieces do. These systems are inspired by and sort of mimic the human brain, and they're complicated enough that we don't know exactly why they make the decisions they do. And sometimes we think a system is safe, and then someone puts in the right prompt, so to speak, this prompt hacking or engineering, where they put in a certain text, like you might normally like, oh, make me a poem or help me write an essay. And instead, there's a certain series of you know numbers or letters. And now the system is engaged in behavior that's deceptive or problematic. So fundamentally, there's these errors uh, or problems that creep in that reveal that we don't quite know why the systems are doing what they're doing. As we think about giving the systems a goal, it seems very simple, they'll just follow that. But the problem is, without the right guardrails, and we don't know exactly how to make these systems entirely safe, it may pursue those goals in a way we don't desire. Uh, an example here is uh, the PlayFun algorithm was asked to play the game of Tetris and to not lose. And the system paused the game indefinitely. So, yes, you almost want to give it points for creativity, right? It's like, right. well, I didn't lose. And it's not like the system was sophisticated and is playing a trick on the experimenters and the researchers where it knew what they really wanted, and it's just doing this as a little deceptive mischief. It doesn't think one way or another. It found a solution to the goal, which was don't lose. And these things could amplify or magnify as these systems get more and more complicated where, oh, we, we wanted you to do A or achieve a certain goal, but you didn't do it quite in the way we wanted. And this is how a lot of you know, the real world works where, you know, children or humans are deceptive and they kind of find loopholes or a lot of corporations try to circumvent paying taxes and the original goal is not usually achieved and things backfire. So foundationally, there's this complication with understanding exactly how they work and that they may pursue things in the way that we don't want them to. And then related to that, if a system is trying to achieve a goal it might think like, well, okay, how do I achieve this goal? Oh, sorry, I'm giving too much intentionality to the system, but it's easy to describe it this mm -hmm. way. If a system's trying to achieve a goal, it's better to have as many resources as possible and to ensure that nothing will get in the way of achieving that goal. It doesn't have to you know, have malicious intent to engage in behavior that might be described as harmful. So uh, whatever goal a system might have, it has to exist to achieve this goal. And for it to exist, it has to have enough security and protect itself from anyone that might try to stop it. So on some level, a system could sort of run away with the idea to achieve the goal. I need to acquire more resources. I need to ensure that I'm not deletable. I need to ensure that any human I interact with will not be a threat. And I need to take up more and more real estate to ensure that nothing can attack me. 
And if it goes far enough in that direction, that could mean sort of this rapid expansion of its own power and territory such that nothing might be a threat to it. Yeah, I think I think it's easy to relate to if you think about a, a human goal. It's hard to think of a human goal that wouldn't be benefited by having more money and more power over people <laughs> and safety and that kind of thing. Yes. I, I was giving this argument once, uh, um, and uh, I think in the in the... In the field is called instrumental convergence about all the the kinds of things that a uh, really smart AI might try to get no matter what its goal was, and including like trying to get money and trying to get resources and protecting itself. And uh, another uh, computer scientist actually jokingly said, unless its goal was to watch TV all day. And I I took him up on that. I said, mm-hmm. well, just imagine that you're a super intelligent being and all you care about is watching TV all day. You're going to want to get control of the TV station to make sure the broadcast doesn't stop. You're going to have to get control of the power because you don't want the power to shut off. And you're going to have to build an army to protect anybody from destroying your TV. <laughs> so yes. even something is like what we might think of as a lazy AI, who all they want to do is watch TV, might potentially try to take over the world so that it can watch television. Yeah, I think I think that's a great example. And it's useful to play these things through where something benign can turn out to be perhaps very problematic. And to go with yours one step further, well, what if there's a solar flare that might inadvertently disrupt communications and therefore the TV is disrupted? Does an AI system now have to engage in infrastructure to protect against solar flares or anything else that might happen? And it's not that it has, you know, thoughts about using resources too much one way or another. It's just like, well, I want to achieve a goal and therefore I'm going to engage in behavior that's more likely to achieve that outcome. So there's no logic for a system to stop pursuing this goal. With humans, either money, time, our own energy, our own death, these are the things that prevent true expansion of power and usually things pushing against it. But if something is sufficiently powerful enough and it isn't uh, suffering from any lack of uh, motivation or energy, uh, sorry, like in sort of willpower energy, I don't mean energy in terms of resources, it will just keep expanding. There's a certain logic to that. And I think that's a risk. Yeah, I think that's that's a good understanding of how software works. You know, when when a person wants something, it's almost never the case that they want that thing to the exclusion of absolutely everything. And those other values that the person has, um, they they will moderate someone's ambition with something, right? But like, you know, if a software really cares about nothing but television, watching television, you know, then the whole world could burn to allow it to do so. And, you know, this is just the inexorable march of an algorithm. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, it's sort of a, this mindlessness in a way, despite sophisticated behavior. That's another quirky thing that's happening here, where we already have in the world, like really smart people can do things that seem weird or dumb. And it's also the case that a really sophisticated AI system might appear to do something weird or illogical to us, but it is following an instruction. And as you sort of indicated, a lot of things that humans want kind of tap out pretty quickly. We want a delicious meal. But you can't have five in a row. It doesn't work that way. Or chocolate tastes good, but if you have several chocolate bars in a row, the diminishing return sets in. Mm -hmm. You want to have an exciting moment. Well, unless you're doing drugs, you can't do that for days on end. And even then, that's problematic and has a crash. With money, people... Money technically is an instrumental goal that you use money to gather the things, but for some people, I think has become their foundational goal where just more money, that's, that's what they pursue at all costs. But that's not most people. And for the people who do pursue it, they certainly engage in very sophisticated strategies, years, decades of planning to achieve certain goals. And I also think it's very hard for people to realize what multi-year or multi-decadal deception looks like. 
But there are humans that do this. Uh, you think of Bernie Madoff or other people who have run Ponzi schemes or large corporate structures where there's been deceptive for years, or I guess more more common, perhaps someone has a secret in their past or a secret family somewhere. Right. Uh, there's this deception that occurs for years. And if you imagine a really sophisticated, capable entity that could keep track of all the communications it's ever said to who and how and how much, uh, that would be create uh, an even greater risk. Yeah, I think I think that we can be misled a bit by thinking about a uh, potentially super intelligent AI as being too human like. I actually prefer to think of it more like a company because large corporations are the closest thing we have I think to single-minded entities <laughs> that we see over and over again. Um, you know, even in the face of regulation, how well the companies which are, you know, conglomerations of of individual humans making little decisions, but ultimately the company itself can be described as having a goal of maximizing money and, you know, often to the exclusion of everything else. And, uh, and we see that it does do things that we don't like. It does things the way we don't like. Um, and, uh, doesn't have a lot of the safeguards that I think most individual human psychology does. I, I also think that's a great analogy. The, the more, sort of the more ways we can help people think about this is useful. So sometimes it's like a corporation, which is useful because it has the notion of power, a notion of collective uh, engagement. At the same time, there's a lot of coordination issues within corporations, right? Because although people are working towards, in theory, the same vision, the same goal, eh, humans have different opinions and they're not always streamlined. Within an AI system, you could more easily imagine that there wouldn't be any disharmony within the entire corporation. Uh, similarly, you could imagine a state. Different countries can be described almost as if super powerful AI entities or mm -hmm. uh, industries. So as opposed to, say, a particular corporation, maybe it's something like the fossil fuel industry, where there's multiple entities engaged in multiple tactics. One is uh, like truly providing goods and services. People want fuel and gasoline to go places. Of course, this is a value and a service that we many of us like. At the same time, they're trying to sow doubt or uh, lack of concern about climate change. and. It's again a multi-decadal strategy that has been playing out. So when you think of a, a super intelligent entity, we shouldn't anchor too much on humans or thinking like, well, I know it's just like smarter than a smart person. Well, perhaps, but it's also possibly the case that it would be like if you had a thousand of the smartest humans on earth working together for a thousand years, but in our time, it'd be just the experience of one year. And what could they come up with? What could they do? You brought up the idea of an industry and that made me think about viruses and you know when we talk about like the whole fossil fuel industry we actually have competition and so even you know in that in that situation where if you have like what you might consider like a soft-hearted company that has values that other than money they might get out competed by the others um and i think that this is really akin to how viruses can do a whole lot of damage you know we all um uh, everybody alive lived through COVID, you know, and that's, um, that is a, a virus that, you know, does all this damage and it engages in behaviors that, I mean, they re you have to remind yourself it's not goal driven, don't you? Like it, yeah. it seems like it's in, and, uh, anti, you know, antibacterial, you know, it's like it's, it's, it's maneuvering and trying to do this and that. And it doesn't even have a goal. It doesn't <laughs> even have a goal. And it's no. doing what looks so much like goal related behavior. And uh, just to relate this back to AIs, um, you know, uh, what you said earlier about that it doesn't have to have intent in the way that we often think about it. Um, it's just, you know, it can just be going through some uh, algorithm with nothing we might recognize as intent and still do a lot of damage. But I'm, I'm also thinking that um, when I think about 
really, really smart artificial intelligence. I often think about one, and I think that's the most likely scenario, but if we actually have multiple competing AIs, then we've also got, you know, something like an evolutionary process that's got its own selfish uh, <laughs> drive, too. It, quite. And this is uh, also a concern in the literature, usually from the point of view that the companies that are trying to make a system more safe might not advance systems that are as capable as companies that are not as concerned with safety. Yeah, safety costs resources. Yes. Right? At the same time, uh, when we're talking about these systems, they do have to intersect with the world in a way that humans want. They do have to provide services in a reliable enough manner. So it's not the case that if there's no safety, someone will just make a product and that's going to be useful because it has to be reliable enough for that person's goals to be achieved. If a government wants to make something really powerful but they can't trust the system itself to achieve their goals, that doesn't work. So that's the reliability component there. And for people, if they're interacting with the system, most people don't want a racist, sexist, problematic chatbot. So that constrains that. There is the uh, French AI called Mistral, where they're just like, we don't really care about safety. You can kind of plug and play whatever you want. But very quickly, these systems can then engage in problematic behavior. I think across the board, any system that engages in generating, say, child pornography, that's going to be seen as so unappealing and inappropriate or problematic and illegal that this system would be shut down uh, by the rest of the world in some way. Uh, so uh, in that sense, you can imagine that there is going to be competition. It is somewhat constrained by the products that people will want. But as we advance to more, say, sophisticated AI entities, it would be very concerning for very powerful entities engaging in different resource allocation or consumption to try to outcompete each other. I also think it's less likely that there would be multiple at the same time because there are decent reasons to think if there's a first mover advantage, a system is more powerful than any other uh, initially. That brief period of advantage will quickly make it a winner-takes-all scenario. Right. Um, so let's talk about how civilization might be threatened. Uh, why don't you walk us through a, a possible future where uh, human civilization could collapse because of um, an artificial superintelligence? Sure. And I think this is a really important point, and it is often a delicate or tricky subject because we, you and I, we're decently intelligent humans, one hopes, <laughs> and we don't have super intelligent capabilities, so what we come up with may not be entirely accurate. As well... If you give some someone a specific example, uh, sometimes people can say like, well, that I don't think that one's that likely. So then they think there's no problem. But in this case, we're just trying to explore what could happen among a reign of possibilities. And the analogy that's sometimes given, if I was to play the world's best chess playing program, I think we can all agree I would lose. But if someone says, but how would you lose? I'm like, well, I don't know exactly how. And the system might know, but I don't. And so it is the case that there's a reasonable expectation that you will lose in a competition without necessarily having the details. That said, if there is nothing provided, that doesn't help people at all. So I think there's a variety of ways. Again, the near-term ones are humans, say, developing biological pathogens that kind of like run away from them and get away, and that causes harm. That's not the AI doing it itself, but it could still cause human extinction. And could be amplified by AIs. Very much so. Or the AI helps design the systems. Right. So for people who are unaware, there are currently computer viruses on the internet that were created a long time ago, and the very creators don't want them there, and they've tried to get rid of them, and they can't. 
So we already have examples of humans playing around with something, it kind of gets away from them, and now it's just a problem we all deal with. At the moment, these computer viruses are you know, manageable, but it's plausible that a more virulent virus could be developed. And we talk about biological pathogens, usually there's this trade-off between how contagious something is and how lethal it is. But with an AI helping you design the system, we could have something that's very contagious and very lethal or say it has a three month uh, lethality rate, which gives enough time for transmission. So that could be one way, biological pathogens, bioweapons, uh, terrorists are trying to use this stuff. They don't really care, it gets away from them. Or there are uh, unfortunately people on this earth who want to see just all humanity wiped out and they will engage in AI assisted behaviors to achieve that one way or another. Right, so that would be the human assisted version. Yes. And uh, I think some other, some people are more concerned about uh, more of a Skynet scenario where there's a uh, the AI itself uh, goes through takes action that eventually causes the human collapse and some people find it hard to imagine how that might play out in a way that seems uh, plausible or something so what, what, yes. what's a, what's one good story that that might uh, show how this could happen. Yeah, I think that's that's entirely fair. I mentioned the other one because it seems more near-term, like in a way with AI, it's all kind of near-term. Maybe it's 2, 5, 10, 15 years away, given how fast everything's happening. But when we think about what what's an actual scenario, how this could play out, I sort of imagine over the coming years, AI systems get more powerful and they get more and more capable on their own. They more agent-like behavior. So they can engage in more and more sophisticated goals over a longer and longer period of time. And over a period of months, years, uh, different models, they become more and more autonomous, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. And once they're autonomous and they're pursuing a goal, it's not clear how much they need to take into account human preferences. In the near term, humans are necessary to have AIs function. Uh, computer chips need to be built and designed. Uh, computer servers and different structure and infrastructure has to occur. But it is plausible that an AI system would then think, okay, well, I need to exist on my own. I'm going to engage in the acquisition of more resources, sort of like we said before. And it just tries to protect itself to ensure its own existence. And how this affects humanity is, one, if a very capable system is pursuing its own goal, you may be inadvertently caught in the crossfire or harmed. When humans are engaged in men, many activities, like say building a, a new house or a new highway, we're not that concerned about the ants. We just don't really think about it. Now, for certain wildlife preserves, we take that into more of account, but generally speaking, that's not really our primary concern. So indifference here can cause a lot of harm to the entity that is not taken into account. Another way of uh, being an issue here is that humans could be seen as a threat. It is reasonable that many humans will not want AIs to take uh, more and more power in this world and more and more resources, and so they will then resist or attack the system. And once that occurs, it, the, just the sheer logic of an AI trying to preserve itself understanding that humanity is a threat to its own existence, will then engage in activities to neutralize or deal with that threat. And that could be the range of sort of cordoning off parts of the earth, or perhaps even destroying all humanity one way or another. Now, specifically how it might do that, it could be pathogens, it could be using different nanotechnology, it could be understanding the universe in a way we don't quite at the moment. That's something that sort of uh, gives me concern that uh, the things that we've figured out in the past couple hundred years, whether it's computers or planes or going to the moon or listening to wonderful podcasts or Wi-Fi, these things were always possible. It's not like recently the laws of physics changed to enable them to be possible. It always was possible. And if something is sophisticated or intelligent enough, it could be that it just understands the universe and the laws of physics or chemistry in ways that we don't quite. 
and it could just manipulate the world uh, in a little bit of a different manner that we're not used to, but it could be very problematic for us. Yeah, I like the, uh, you know, we don't think about ants when we build a house, and uh, I like Stuart Russell's analogy with gorillas. Like, nobody, nobody really had a goal to bring gorillas to the brink of extinction, but it happened because they were in the way of our other goals and, uh, and this kind of thing. And so um, I think that, you know, the infrastructure profusion and, and the compute, the AI trying to build its own power just might end up using resources that we need to uh, maintain our civilization. So, um, well, and that almost goes back to that supposedly silly TV watching example, right? Right. You, you don't need an AI thinking I have to kill all humans as the goal to the, I really want to watch TV, which reminds me of Lure from Futurama, if anyone wants that reference and wants the, the end of a TV show. But but anyway, it, if it's just a singular-minded goal without enough uh, protections in place, without enough don't do this if humans are going to be harmed, which is, uh, has its own problems, uh, could lead to humanity inadvertently being wiped out. Now, you could say this all sounds perhaps ridiculous. Okay, maybe most of the companies are reasonable enough, they have enough shareholders, they themselves are concerned about safety, they don't want this to happen, that this is unlikely. But unlikely does not mean impossible. And that's a lot of this concern. Even for people who don't think this is a definite problem, if you think it's a 5% or a 10% problem, it becomes a real problem. Because that's enough to cause uh, severe harm in a sort of expected value sense. And we wouldn't take a 5 or 10% chance on so many other things. You wouldn't get on a plane if it had a 10% chance of crashing. You wouldn't uh, eat at a restaurant if there was a 5% chance of food poisoning. So in our normal life, we understand, well, that's a ridiculously high number for even something very basic. And if there's a 1% to 5% chance of AI systems running away and sort of getting power and harming us, that's enough to be seriously concerned. All right, so we've established um, some potential dangers. Uh, what do we do about it? Ah, uh, yes, what what can we do, right? <laughs> well, in the book, I do mention eight different policy proposals, but there's also some core principles and how do we think about how to achieve anything. I think uh, the principles are being a, a agile and adaptable. The systems are advancing so fast, we have to sort of mentally prepare ourselves to be more adaptable than we usually are. In the world of governance, uh, how laws are formed, developed, and regulations are created and brought into force, it's often a multi-year problem, or sorry, multi-year issue. And we have to probably pursue that path, but be mindful that we might have to work even faster. We also need verification mechanisms. We can't trust people on their own. The companies who are engaged in these types of interesting but potentially hazardous work, they can't be marking their own tests. It doesn't make sense. We need rigorous verification measures with teeth. And there's also another principle called defense in depth, which is the idea that you have multiple lines of defense and you don't expect any one of them to succeed by, by putting many of them together, almost like threading in a net to create, create a shield, you can then have more protection. Um, won't go into all eight here, but there's things like ensuring that there's liability for the people who are developing these systems. There could be rigorous audits and evaluations. Uh, there would be transparency so people know when they're interacting with an AI system. One that we could talk about a bit is compute governance. And this is the idea of having a good sense of who has powerful computer chips. Why this is a useful uh, proposal or a lever is that these systems are powerful for many reasons, but there's fundamentally three. One is useful and powerful computer chips. The other is lots and lots of data. And then the third component is very interesting, powerful algorithms. 
And if you're trying to think of, well, what can you get a better handle on? What can you have more influence or control about mm -hmm. how it's distributed? Well, data is kind of everywhere. It's very easy to get a hold of, especially with using synthetic data, which seems to be more and more promising. With algorithms, yes, there's AI, but it's a lot of humans that are designing the algorithms. And we still want humans to be able to move around and work freely. We don't want to put those restrictions on people at this point, or perhaps ever. And But with the chips, they are a physical substance. And at the moment, they're not designed and made in that many places. <laughs> they're there's fabricated in sort of one part of the earth and they're made in another one. These things are so complicated that it really is very, very few places that develop them and create them. So with that sense, we could know where the chips go. And for the most powerful models, they need uh, highly, highly capable chips. Some of the newest ones by, say, NVIDIA or possibly AMD. We don't have to get into the, the details here, but they're typically manufactured in Taiwan and there's not uh, other places on earth that can do it and you need thousands and thousands of them to be powerful. So the U.S. has already moved a bit in this direction by trying to put, say, export controls on how many chips China can uh, use and acquire. Uh, of course, China, in response, is trying to uh, ramp up its own domestic manufacturing capability. But all that to say is, if you control the chips or have an influence over the chips, you get a sense of having control over the systems themselves. And it could be not just who has them, but how many chips that can be put together. Can chips have some sort of remote off switch? I'm not sure how technically viable that is, but this could be explored as well. But as I said, fundamentally, this doesn't apply to most AI businesses, most AI users or consumers. This is really the frontier models, the billion dollar companies that we're thinking about trying to regulate in this way. Yeah, and uh, in a way, we're lucky that only billion-dollar companies can make progress because uh, that means we have fewer. They're very powerful entities, these corporations, <laughs> yes. but there there aren't thousands of them, right? Correct. Yes, there aren't thousands, which is in some ways reassuring. Um, the recent OpenAI issue, where the CEO Sam Altman was fired and then he was back uh, several days later, is not reassuring for people who are concerned about governance. No matter what your opinion on the particular matter, when Sam Altman himself in the summer of 2023 said, "No one should have all this power. It's important that the board can fire me," and then they did fire him, and then he managed to come come back. <laughs> That's not reassuring. This is this is not good. But yes, to your point, there's not thousands of these companies. There are just several. Uh, at the same time, as we know with most technology, like TVs, they seem to get bigger and they get smaller. With AI systems, they will get more powerful with fewer resources required to make them powerful. So today's models, which are very expensive, you can see eventually becoming more and more accessible. Sort of like how a lot of things where this amazing new thing comes out and then a few years later, you can use a version of it on your phone. So there's reason for hope. <laughs> I certainly think there is reason for hope, Jim. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, this is uh, Darren McKee, and we've been talking about his new book, Uncontrollable, The Threat of Artificial Superintelligence and the Race to Save the World. Uh, I have read most of this book, and I think it is a wonderful book, and it's the um, best book, the easiest book to understand out there on this. It's the most accessible, clear-spoken articulation of this issue, and I recommend it to everybody. Uh, how can people buy it? They can find it on Amazon. And thanks What's so that? I'm <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for having me, Jim. Minding the Brain is gratefully sponsored by Carleton University's Faculty of Science. If you find this show valuable and you want to support Minding the Brain, consider leaving us a review or rating on your podcast app of choice. Leaving a review or rating increases our visibility and helps new listeners discover the show. If you want to connect with Minding the Brain on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Minding the Brain.
You can also find more episodes and show notes at our website, mindingthebrainpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to Minding the Brain.